Hi, it's Gregory Prado, Prado Capital. Welcome to today's uh, talk with Courtney Wilson from Fortify Insurance. Courtney is not only a expertise as long-term care, but he's actually a good friend of mine. We've known each other for years. Like me, Courtney started in the business working for another agency, and we decided the best deal was to be independent and not beholden to our then broker-dealer. So with us, as I want to say hello to is Courtney. Courtney, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Greg. Thank you so much for having me. Well, listen, um, Courtney, you know, part of what we do with these uh, broadcasts is try to keep us concise, and everybody has a, a lot of work going on during the day. So let's just jump right into it. The purpose of today is, again, long-term care. So as a starter, just give me the top 30,000 of you, as I call it. What, are, what is long-term care, and what options are available to us? Well, the thing to remember, and hopefully you're, hopefully you're able to see my PowerPoint slides, um, the thing to remember about long-term care is it refers to the ability to perform specific activities of daily living. Um, that refers to eating, bathing, getting dressed, transferring, that's moving from one location to another, continence, and toileting. It also includes uh, cognitive impairments, including Alzheimer's or Parkinson's disease, other sorts of dementia. Um, so it's a very important part of what we need to protect as part of our plan. Uh, insurance options have evolved over the last 10 years greatly from the traditional standalone long-term care that many people may be familiar with to now more of an option that's included with a life insurance policy where a long-term care rider can give access to the death benefit before death to cover those costs associated with long-term care. And over the last 10 years or so, there's been the creation of what we refer to as an asset-based or a hybrid long-term care option, which almost takes the best of both worlds to create more of a self, uh, self-funded self option. Well, listen, you know, um, I think the, the question most people want to know is, okay, I know there's options out there, I hear it on the news and hear it on the radio, but why is it so important for me to have long-term care? I mean, a lot of folks will say, you know, won't Medicare take care, take care of this and, we're always talking about the universal health care that is in the works or partially in the works, but won't that handle it? So really, you know, why is it so important for me to plan for it when I have these other options coming at me? That's such a great point, Greg, and I think there are so many mis misconceptions. You know, when we look at the financial plan in general, and you know, you and I have had this conversation a lot, is the idea of the, the financial planning, I like to think of as a three-legged stool. We don't want to outlive our money. We don't want to die prematurely, and we don't want to become injured or sick along the way, which can deplete that, um, that reti those retirement assets that we've created. So a lot of times people think, well, my health insurance will cover my long-term care needs, and they don't. The health insurance is designed to cover specific medical costs, but not the cost of the care itself, particularly what we refer to as custodial care. Medicare is basically the same idea. It's not designed to protect against long-term care costs. And what it does protect when there is an illness that's associated with it that is covered under Medicare, it offers very limited coverage. And again, what it won't cover is the typical, what we refer to as custodial care. And a lot of people will also think that Medicaid is another option, but Medicaid is really there for people that are indigent and under the poverty line. So there's no assistance until all of our assets are depleted. We're at a minimum income level and we have less than $2,000 of assets or less. So that requires a lot of planning to make sure that that might be available. But at the end of the day, none of these are true protections for long-term care. 
so, when we so, look at, go ahead. I'm sorry, Greg. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, so it sounds to me like what we do in our planning, you know, with clients as you know, our, our financial life plan, as we call it, is really the center of the universe for all our clients. So what we have to come up with is, okay, you really have two options if you have any kind of wealth. And, uh, you know, fortunately, uh, the clients we have do, uh, they don't fall into this poverty level. So you really have to come up with a decision. Can I, you know, pay for it? Uh, or do I self-fund it? And self-funding is an exercise Correct. we go through. But, you know, just what you're about to talk about here, you know, what, what does the, the cost of long-term care look like to a client? And um, start, start with that. And this is a lot of where that planning goes into place, Greg. It's really just opening your eyes to understanding where do I want to be when I retire? And if, God forbid, something happens and I do need care, what does that plan have to look like, whether I'm going to be in my home or whether I would be in a facility? Just to give you scope, these are current average costs. I just basically put New York and Connecticut so you could get a sense of what the daily average rate for in-home care, I'm sorry, not in-home care, for a nursing home care would look like in different areas of New York and also in Connecticut. These are the current rates that are available. These are the current cost of care. Some of these, like in the one in Greenwich, is actually, that's all public information that's available through the state. So you can see specific, um, uh, specific homes and what those costs are associated with them. You know, the biggest thing is that cost of care is going to continue to be an issue. Um, people live longer. The claims that we're seeing inside of long-term care are lasting longer. Originally, with claims are usually two to three years. Now they're hovering more between four to six years. Um, medicine has no uh, signs of stopping. And this is these stats are all before you throw in a pandemic and what that has done to the nursing uh, care communities. You know, one of the things that I was mentioning to you earlier, there's a study that just came out from the American Association for Long-Term Care Insurers. They pulled a thousand uh, nursing homes nationwide. Ninety percent of those thousand nursing homes have said that they're running at a loss, and three percent, um, and and the other ten percent are running at three percent profit margin. So there is a major issue, and what the cost of care is going to look like as we continue to go down this road, because these numbers are not going to go down. So as we continue to go through this, so it makes these options just more and more important in our ability uh, to navigate through. So when we look at the idea of a traditional long-term care policy and the, the life insurance policies, it's really deciding what is important for the client. What is the thing that's going to drive them? Are we focused on long-term care needs? We want to create a pool of money that is just for long-term care. Do we still have a life insurance need? And we want to make sure that if we never need care, that our heirs and our grandkids are going to get some benefit out of the policy that we're spending money on. Or do we want something that is primarily focused on long-term care, but is going to allow us to maximize the long-term care benefit, guarantee our premium, and be able to get that money back if we don't need the care in the future? Well, listen, listen, I think, I think you're stepping on, a, you're, you're pointing out something that has been um, really profound is the, the evolution of the marketplace, right? So, so let me just step back super real quick, because, you know, we have a, a, on, on the costs and the clients mm -hmm. have often said, you know, well, listen, uh, I see you have New York, Connecticut. Well, I mean, fortunately, in this, even in this webinar, we have clients from across the country, east to west, north to south. And sometimes they're saying, well, I'm just going to move anyway. I'm going to Florida. Um, can you kind of speak to what are we staring at from the folks who think part of my planning option is just to get the heck out of the Northeast if I'm from here or the state I'm in, if I'm on the West Coast, I know they're the same. How does that look for like a lot of folks head to the Sun Belt? 
I mean, look, I think it is a legitimate option. And I think it's something that has to go into that planning conversation about where are we going to end up? What's our goal going to be? Are we going to stay in the Northeast where cost of care is going to be at its highest? Or are we going to try to find areas like Arizona or Utah or Florida or areas like that where we can get care at a, at a lesser cost? I think that the it's still going to be a factor regardless of where you are. I think you're still looking at, you know, current rates, regardless of where you are in the country of three to $400 per day for it, for an in for a facility, a nursing home facility. And as you can imagine, that would ratchet up pretty darn quickly. So making sure, you know, that we have those things. And a lot of what goes into this planning process, Greg, is understanding those components, understanding, you know, if when you look at, you know, when you dig under the hood of a standalone policy, there's something called partnership policies. These are typically smaller benefit policies, shorter durations that are funded by the state. New York and Connecticut are both states that are part of the partnership and they have specific policy designs that are built to try to help the system from bankrupting itself. That's what the goal of these states is to try to help create policy designs, you know, that will be, be there to support. The downsides are premiums are paid for life. You and I have a situation right now with a client who has an old policy from Jen Worth. They just got a letter and said, look, what you bought is not what you're going to get anymore. And at yeah. 80 years old, they're going to have to make some decisions. So even though I'm paying a less premium today, I'm going to be paying it long term, you know, to be able to get that. That may work for certain people, even though those premiums aren't guaranteed. And I'll show you an example of that. Um, these policies that are less expensive tend to be reimbursement policies. So if I am in a situation where I have an extended family and I have a daughter-in-law who will come and take care of me. We don't want a reimbursement contract because I'm not, I won't be able to collect on that if I have a family member caring for me. I can only get that if a, if a licensed caregiver is providing me care. Um, again, no death benefit. So in a traditional long-term care policy, I pay for the coverage and if I don't use it, I get nothing. And if I pass away, I get nothing. And that's kind of the byproduct of getting that lesser premium amount. <clears throat> And I get no cash surrender or return a premium, you know, for the most part, you know, if, if I do pass away. And I think what you're, what you're really talking about, and I think this is where you're headed with this, is the, the evolution of the marketplace, right? Um, I Absolutely. You, you and I worked together for over a decade, and I know, yeah, back when it was long-term care policy, just all the points you, you, you brought up there, and there really was never a world where you were promised, this is your premium forever, this is your coverage forever. So in the evolution, and we've done this and we worked with clients on these types of policies. Speak to the evolution and, and what's, what kind of products are now available. Sort of just a high level view because you don't want to overcomplicate yeah. this for the client. But what are you saying? No, I want to, yeah, absolutely. I want to try to hit on the high points here because I think this idea of asset based or hybrid long term care, which is the newest iteration of these products basically leverages what we know about permanent life insurance, which is the ability, if you give an insurance company a dollar, they know that they're going to make 30 cents on that dollar. And there are certain guarantees that they're going to give you for that dollar. Unlike, um, you know, say a term policy where it's very low cost for a death benefit, but they're insuring a very short amount of time. With a policy like this, the idea is the premiums go directly towards accumulation of long-term care assets and they're fully guaranteed. So instead of putting money into a life insurance policy for the purposes of getting a death benefit, we're putting in money into a policy to guarantee 
an exponentially large long-term care benefit, but if we never need long-term care, we get our money back. So one of the ways that we like to look at the premium amount is that it's basically an opportunity cost. It's what would I have done with that money if I didn't put it into this policy, but if I ever need care, I could have six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars of long-term care benefits available that could get me through a significant amount of time. These also include reimbursement options and indemnity where I trigger on the medical need for long-term care and I don't require someone a caregiver, a licensed caregiver. So in that scenario that I told you about my daughter-in-law taking care of me, I can still collect on that policy even though I have a family member that's taking care of me. And that's what most people want. Most people don't want to leave their home. They want to get care where they're most comfortable. These policies also, as I said, are going to have that death benefit, which basically is going to be a return of the premium that they get. And there's also surrender value. So let's say we buy a policy at 65 and at 80, you know what, we win the lottery and we decide this policy, we don't need it anymore. We have a surrender value. We can get a majority of our money back by just surrendering the policy. So that's one of the advantages of that life insurance um, aspect, but building it into what we call that asset-based long-term care. Let me, let me ask you this, Cord. Let's just say, and then we'll jump to another area here. And let's just say I have a whole life policy already, um, or, you know, or a variable life policy. Is there anything that can be worked that would basically use that or in any way, shape or form to help with this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's certainly worth doing reviews because what we found is these long-term care riders were, are a new iteration. So most people that have had whole life policies or VULs or other sorts of universal life policies, um, they typically don't have these types of long-term care rider benefits because they just weren't available. Yeah. Um, now we have that ability to be able to cover the life insurance, almost like a Swiss army knife. Um, but to your point, you know, I think one of the most important things is going to be the ability to customize this for the situation. So you can leverage um, what we refer to as that cash surrender value as, as a 1035 exchange is what it's referred to. When a policy has a particular dollar value that it's accumulated, we can take that value and we can put it into a new policy, assuming that we can, you know, get it underwritten. Sure. And it basically just takes an asset that you've already accumulated and it repositions it into something else. So it's, you know, we do that considerably. And that's definitely something that we'll kind of touch on again as we look at that ability to customize it for a particular situation. Yeah. I, and again, it just keeps going back to when we do our planning process with our clients. We yeah. just... We act like a, you know, a, a, a doctor meeting for the first time. So let's gather it all and we just focus on all the different aspects of folks' life. When we get to this, insurance is always uh, sometimes you know, frowned on or scared like you know, the insurance guy. But we say it's important to look at how you're insured, not just for your own life protection, but for things like long-term care. But with this said, um, you know, we all know medical costs keep going up and up and up. When, when is it typically a client in need to use long-term care? What's the average these days? When we start doing our planning and it's changed, you know, this is information from the American Association for Long-Term Care um, Insurers. And, you know, basically what, you're, what we're showing here, and this goes back from 2018, is when we get to that, you know, 81 to 85, 86 to 90, and it's changed considerably. Um, you know, 20 years ago when I first started in the business, that 76 to 80 was the big spike. And we saw more and more people at that younger age. Now that's being pushed. And now we're seeing two things. We're seeing the push towards that 80 to 90 as the, the majority of claims. We're also seeing the duration of claims, you know, that are going for a longer amount of time. So those two things at play 
are an important part of that planning process. You know, one other thing that I think is important to remember, <clears throat> for most people, fully insuring long-term care is just not feasible. When you start talking about a number of creating like 800 to a million dollars for two people or, you know, 700,000 for one person and Alzheimer's, it could be five years plus, like you could be dumping a significant amount of money. Most people are not going to fully insure it. Most people look at it as how do I make my transition without depleting all of my accumulated assets, right? What do I do? So let's say it's 300,000. We said the first 300,000 comes from insurance and that allows us to make a transition from being simply retired to needing more assistance. That's where that planning comes into place and understanding what age do we need to be identifying it. The other thing that's important to know is where are these claims occurring? You know, the bulk of the claims out of the gate, nobody wants to leave their home, especially now. You know, nobody, one of the things that's hurting a lot of these nursing homes and these rehab centers is people that are going through some major surgeries, musculoskeletal, things of that nature, they don't want to go to a home. They don't want to go to a rehab center because they're afraid of the risk of COVID, of contracting something. So there's a lot at play when we start thinking about you know, what, where are people going to get care? So from our perspective, especially for affluent clients, we want them to have that flexibility to stay in their home, get the, you know, get the benefits that they need to sustain themselves and to be able to, you know, to be in protection of their assets. And, and you know, sometimes we get asked this, okay, you know, uh, mom, pop, is there, are there policies that will cover both the husband and the wife if there is a married couple? Yeah, Absolutely. There are not only policies that would do a joint life structure, um, you know, there are policy designs that would benefit somebody that's a business owner that owns a C-Corp where there's some additional tax deductions available. There's even a policy design if you have siblings, you have somebody that shares a business, business partners can actually buy a joint long-term care policy as business partners. So there's a lot of flexibility, but a lot of it goes into what's our fact find. What do we need to know to be able to provide the right recommendation on what the right solution is for somebody? And that may be self-insurance, but it yep. may be something else on the other the other spectrum as well. Yeah, that's 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 very very interesting. Um, so listen, we're kind of kind of circling the whole discussion here. As everybody I know goes back to, I'd love to have it. You know, who wouldn't want to have it? But it's expensive. Um, are there any long-term care, long-term care policies? Excuse me on that one. Um, is there a policy that has a, what's called a guaranteed premium? Um, and if so, is there a way to be sure that we're not going to outrun it? It's just going to kind of stay level for us. Is there anything like that out there? There, there are, and it's you know again, a lot of it depends on how much we have, what kind of assets do we have to be able to work with to fund these policies up front to secure those guarantees. So easiest way to look at this is just look at a quick example. We're going to solve on a 65-year-old female client, 7,500 of initial a long-term care benefit. That's $250 a day. So we're not fully insuring from day one. We're really looking at it with compounding to say at 85, we want to make sure we have a sustainable amount of coverage. When we peel back this onion and we start looking at what are the important policy designs, a standalone LTC policy over a, over a 20 year period, you'll see even though we're gonna be making ongoing premium payments, it is the least expensive way to create a, a benefit at 85 of excess of $13,000 a month. 
What we don't get is death benefit and cash value. So we're trading that. And I put an asterisk next to the premium to illustrate that the premiums are not guaranteed. So we're likely to see increasing premiums as we get older. And unfortunately, when the risk is at its highest, which again, I pointed to us seeing. The other is when you look at using a life insurance policy. So this is a this is through John Hancock, a $650,000 um, universal life policy. But what we did is we added a long-term care rider. So we have $650,000 of aggregate long-term care benefits that we can tap into either as death benefit or as long-term care benefit. And it's our choice in how we use them. We're also getting the advantage of this 160,000 refers to cash accumulation, which would also be available to use towards this. But you can see the investment over a 20 year period is gonna be more, but these are guaranteed values. After we've made this, this premium payment, we never have to make additional premium payments when we're older and in retirement. When you look at the asset-based approach, it goes a little differently of we put in premium and if we never need long-term care, we get our premium back, but we're getting an excess of $680,000 of long-term care benefits. The last one I'm showing, there's one company that does this, and this kind of goes back to old insurance adages, you know, back in the 80s, where people wanted the idea, the peace of mind of an unlimited benefit, lifetime benefits. I want to be able to be in a home and never worry that I'm going to run out of a pool of money that's actually available. And it does have a, a, a relatively substantial price tag to it. But for some people, the peace of mind of knowing that I'll never run out of money is actually a very substantial way to look at it. But you can see that depending on the situation, you know, this, these are the drivers that help us decide what's the right solution for an individual. Yeah, well, listen, I, I, think, I, I think for a lot of folks, they look at this and go, what am I looking at? So I think that it comes back to is, you know, is there a best type of long-term care insurance? It sounds to me like it's really not, you know, one size fits all, obviously. So if you want to speak to that, I know we've addressed sort of wrap it up, um, is what, what would you, is there a policy or a type of pre, a type of policy you look at and say, this is really what's available in the marketplace and these are some of the best ones out there? Look, there's a lot of ways to approach this spectrum that we refer to, right? Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to kind of gloss over this because this really is a reference to what happens with the standalone premiums. And that's an important conversation that can be had when you start looking at this. But <clears throat> the thing that I think is most important to consider is, you know, what are we insuring? You know, what do we have available? We have clients that come to us and say, look, over 10 years, I got a hundred grand that I can put towards this. How much can I get? That's a way to solve. Another way is to, to look at our situation. You know, we want to have a husband and wife that can share benefits if they need them. We don't really care about the life insurance aspect. We're more motivated by long-term care. Well, that guides us towards a particular product set. Like you mentioned before, we have existing um, whole life policies that we really are never going to need. We can use a 1035 exchange to be able to create that funding. So we're not just pulling it out of our own premiums. There are so many factors that go into, you know, what's important to us. And that's going to help us decide which product is going to be the right fit. So unfortunately, there's no like one size fits all. It's really a conversation that goes into, you know, how much do we need? How much do we have to spend? And let's see which policy fits based on all of these parameters. There's another parameter that's very important. We have a lot of clients that want to be international. 
not all policies, you know, insurance is a domestic product. So if you have someone who wants to go live in the South of France and spend their retirement, there's a particular policy that you need to know about to be able to make sure that care can be given internationally. And it's definitely something that's a factor as we go through trying to figure out which is the most important uh, pr product, the one that fits the situation the best. Well, boy, boy that, that piece alone uh, that I think, I don't think anybody would ever consider really just shows you the necessity to have an expert like you, Court, doing this. And, you know, just to, to sort of wrap this up and keep us right where we promised about 25 minutes on this, uh, you know, for my clients who have been with me, you know, more than three or four years know that I spent a lot of time in a major wirehouse or brokerage house and you're, you're constrained. So my, my decision to go independent was to always be able to do the best thing for the client, act in the client's best interest. Uh, Courtney and I are, have been totally aligned with that because Courtney similarly was working for a firm and he too is independent. So what we know is when we do our planning and we then we get into this discussion about long-term care and whether it be for your own peace of mind, for uh, leveraging the future um, estate that you could pass on to your friends or family, it's important to know that when it's viewed, it's viewed from a perspective of independence. Courtney is married to absolutely nobody when it comes to the proper product. What he is married to is staying ahead of the game, understanding that products change over time, and he will never, and we will never, because we're in constant contact, allow you to be in something that times have changed and a new product is out there. And if it is, we will make sure that that change is, is noted and you're, it's identified and we'll work forward from that point. So with that said, um, I really want to thank you, Courtney. We talk enough on a daily basis. So it's always uh, great to get your voice out there. And folks, for anybody who, who has any sort of interest, we discussed this in our life planning process, but it's important to understand is we are there for you. It's a no harm, no foul. You should always look at this. So nothing else you'll be able to identify. You know, we had the discussion. We're clear on it, and we know what we're going to do. So that said, Courtney, thank you for your time. We'll be in touch. And folks, thanks great. for joining us. Thank you. Again, thanks for being with us today and please follow us on all our social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. We look forward to seeing you on the other side.